the hospital was absolutely collapsing under the weight of the enormity and the suddenness of the crisis. There was terror. People were terrorized. Dr. Julie McKay just spent several weeks treating COVID-19 patients in Italy, many of whom were on the verge of death. It was heartbreaking. There was no more medical options left. There was just an overwhelming sense of grief and terror and sadness in the whole community. I was hopeless. I knew I was lost. Death and darkness were my only songs. I needed someone to come rescue me. Then mercy heard my plea. Even with all the grief and terror and sadness that she speaks of, and even when Julie ran out of medical options to help one of her patients, God intervened in some pretty amazing ways. Julie's going to tell us what she saw on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. Dr. Julie McKay served at the Samaritan's Purse Field Hospital in Italy, one of the places hit hardest by the coronavirus. Italy has just begun the slow process of reopening, and many parts of the United States are doing the same thing now. Wherever you're listening to this podcast from, we know that COVID-19 has affected your life in some way or another. But there is hope, as Billy Graham will share later in this episode. Jesus had good news. He said, I've come to tell you that I can help you solve your problems and heal your hurts. I've come to tell you that I can save your soul. I can guarantee that when you die, you'll go to heaven. You can learn more about that at findpeacewithgod.net. Again, that's findpeacewithgod.net, and there's a link to it in the show notes as well. You'll also find a link to our 24-hour prayer line, and we encourage you to reach out to us if you're struggling and need someone to talk to or would like somebody to pray with you. The number is 888-388-2683. That's 888-388-2683. But as I said, we also have a link to it in our show notes. GPS. God. People. Stories. So I'm from the Detroit, Michigan area, and I moved down with my husband 35 years ago after we finished medical school to train in Florida. And then we stayed in the northern Florida area to practice medicine. For many of those years in Michigan and Florida, Julie says her life was pretty pointless. I was without real purpose and without a direction. I seemed like I was drifting aimlessly, spiritually. It was sterile and empty. And then I met Jesus. Julie had gone to church for years, but hadn't had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. One day, I just felt this calling to go to a different church. And there, the church was filled with people who were on fire for the Lord, who were born-again Christians. And during that whole experience at that church, I just had a personal encounter with Jesus there, and it set me onto a new path of fulfillment and knowing what the Lord has done for me and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And it just changed everything so that it was no longer a religion or a church. It was now an experience and a relationship Once I met Jesus, I felt like I had purpose and meaning in my life, and I've really been following him ever since then and spreading the good news of the gospel. 
Julie worked in the medical field for a long time. The bulk of her career was spent as a primary care doctor at a private practice. Then she spent a decade working for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, or the VA, in both caregiving and administrative roles. I love biology and chemistry and the function of the body. It just seems so incredible that the body can heal itself, and it's just a, so interesting science. But I also just wanted to somehow pair my interest in the science of it to just helping people in general. But then once I knew the Lord, it took on a whole new meaning because when you have the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, you have a much more powerful medical tool than you have in your box of drugs and pills and devices. So it, it just took on a whole new, more intense and special meaning that I've been able to help people on both levels, spiritually and physically. Even though she's now retired from full-time medical practice, Julie hasn't stopped helping people both spiritually and physically. Two years ago, I retired, but I like to say that I actually refired. I jettisoned off to a different direction of medicine and just provide humanitarian medicine with multiple mission groups, which is how I came to work with the DART team of Samaritan Purse. Samaritan's Purse, by the way, is a sister ministry of ours. Their Disaster Assistance Response Team, or DART, D-A-R-T, is this group of highly trained professionals who provide assistance in times of crisis, assistance like medical care. Back in March, the DART team called Julie and asked her if she'd be willing to serve in a part of Italy that was being devastated by the coronavirus. Even though she was putting her own safety at great risk, Julie accepted the offer to go. I'm always open for opportunities despite any risk, because in the end, it doesn't matter to me if I should die in a situation like that. It's no real concern because I know where I'm headed. And I'd rather die trying to help someone than to live knowing I could have and I never tried. And maybe their soul was not saved and I did nothing about it. And that would be a burden I couldn't bear. On Thursday, March 19th, Julie arrived in Cremona, Italy, and she went to the Samaritan's Purse Field Hospital that was helping to treat overflow COVID-19 patients. The situation was that at that point, the Lombardy region, which is the area around Greater Milan, is specifically in a little city called Lodi, but the whole area was the epicenter of deaths. They were having a significantly higher death rate from the COVID than other areas were. The hospital was absolutely collapsing under the weight of the enormity and the suddenness of the crisis. And so many of their physician staff and nursing staff were ill that they just were understaffed and overwhelmed. And everybody knew somebody who had died from it suddenly. And so there was just an overwhelming sense of grief and terror and sadness in the whole community. There was terror. People were terrorized. Samaritan's Purse set up its field hospital in the Cremona Hospital parking lot. This field hospital had 68 beds. Ten of those had intensive care ventilators. Julie was joined by a team of doctors and nurses and staff doing whatever they could to help keep patients alive. The shifts were 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And we worked seven days a week, uh, went three and a half weeks before we ever had a day off. It was hard work and it was intense in that it's difficult to stand with the you know, rubber boots on that hard concrete floor for 12 hours 
with the full mask and goggles and hair gear and our whole PPE setup. And it was just difficult to work that hard in those conditions. At the beginning, when we got there, it was very cold, very windy. It was an intense experience to do it day after day after day. But we all did it and nobody complained at all. Everybody was singularly focused and that made it such a rich experience. Even with Italy on extreme lockdown and being surrounded by patients who were scared and contagious, Julie still saw God working in some incredible ways. There were two stories in particular that stand out for her. The first is about a patient whose outlook was bleak from the very beginning. He came to the hospital. Over the first couple days, he really struggled with shortness of breath and with extremely high fevers in the 104 range. And on day five or six, he started to rapidly deteriorate. We had tried everything. He was on maximum oxygen flow rates that we could provide 25 liters. And despite that, if he moved at all, he would nearly lose consciousness from low oxygen. He was sitting bolt upright, breathing 35 to 50 times a minute, just panting shallow breaths. He was so short of breath and there was nothing we could do. Julie and her team tried multiple treatments and medicines, but nothing was helping. I called the hospital. They too had no ventilator beds. They didn't have any CPAP beds, which is the device we can use sometimes to hold off intubation in a ventilator. It's a device that forces oxygen into the lungs. There was no more options. I had nothing else to offer. The intensive care doctor uh, understood the gravity of the situation, and he called every hospital in northern Italy and southern uh, Switzerland. There were no ventilators available. It was heartbreaking. I went home that night knowing that he would probably die during the night, and uh, there was nothing more we could do about that. That's when Julie had the idea to ask some of her friends around the world to pray for the patient. I decided to put it out as a very, very specific prayer request to every mission group I've ever traveled with, every prayer warrior I knew, and asked at nine o'clock if we could pray for him and ask God to breathe peace and healing breath into his lungs specifically for this patient. And uh, nine o'clock, I received so many emails, just bing, 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 emails coming in from literally all over the world. A group of Messianic believing Jews in Israel, uh, life groups in Georgia and Colorado, California, the group from Haiti and Honduras, Dominica Republic, my friends in Senegal, people from all over the world that they passed it on to were contacting me. And we prayed. I prayed throughout the night. The next morning, Julie arrived back at the field hospital and began putting on her protective gear. As she did, she prayed for the strength to be able to call and tell the patient's wife that he had passed away, if indeed he had during the night. Julie didn't want to get her hopes up that he was still alive. But as she entered the ward, there was the patient, still sitting upright in his bed. And he looked at me and said, I don't know why, but I feel peace. He says through the translator, like, when did you start to feel peace? And he said, it was about nine o'clock last night. I just suddenly started to feel this peace. I don't know why. I thought to myself, I know why. I went on my rounds and an hour later returned back to his bedside. And he was better, slightly better. 
throughout the day, I was able to turn down his oxygen and his oxygen levels and his bloodstream were improving. It was stunning. And over the course of that day, we got him down to four liters and we had turned the corner and it was for sure because our God brought light into a very dark situation. He made a way where there was no way. I can say for a hundred percent sure that there was nothing medically we did to change the situation. We had given him everything possible for days and he was deteriorating despite all of our treatment. This was a miracle. The patient's condition kept improving. And when he learned that people had been praying for him, he wanted to know more. He was asking me very specific questions about who is this Jesus and why did he do this for me? And and other questions too, like he kept saying, but I'm a sinning man and I haven't done enough good things in my life. And I, we were able to remind him we're all sinners. That's why we need Jesus, that none of us are good enough, that we all need a savior to go to heaven, that none of us could earn our way, that that's not what it's based on. And we were able to show him that God's love is a free gift. His mercy and his grace endure forever. And he, he didn't need to do more good works or, you know, be sin free to receive the Lord's love. It took two more weeks in the hospital of slowly improving. And over the two weeks, he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And after the two-week mark, he left the hospital on no oxygen. But he was armed with the two most important tools that a new Christian can have, a new Bible and a powerful testimony of what God did for him. Indeed, it is absolutely a powerful testimony of what God did. The patient was healed physically from coronavirus, and more importantly, he began the process of spiritual healing. And Julie has another story of healing to share. This one starts with a different patient who was moved from the main hospital to the field hospital. The story was very familiar. The same thing we'd seen on so many patients before. Healthy at home, came to the emergency room, deteriorated over three or four days, put on a CPAP, then on a ventilator, then extubated. It was the same story. I look up at him and he's flagging me over, flagging me over. And he tells my translator he has something important to tell me, a story that's on his heart and on his mind, and he has to tell somebody. So Julie sat down with her translator and asked the man to share what was on his mind. He started to tell this story how he was laying on the bed in the hospital and he was getting more and more short of breath. And he was on the CPAP machine, but it was looking obvious that he was going to deteriorate and require a ventilator. At that point, he knew that nobody in the hospital had survived being on a ventilator. It was 100% fatal if you got to that position. He was laying there facing this, and he felt a black figure slide into bed next to him and start pushing him toward the edge of the bed. He was so terror-stricken. It was such a, a horrific and awful feeling of this black presence pushing him to the side of the bed. And he looked over the edge of the bed and it was screeching sounds and terror. And it was deep and dark and black. And it was infinitely deep. He was so terrified. It was such a terrifying event. At this point, Julie's translator was so shaken up that she began trembling and had to leave the patient's bed to recompose herself. 
After doing that, she continued translating the patient's story to Julie. I was on the edge of my seat, and I said through the translator, what, what happened next? And he said, I just called out, screamed, Jesu, which is Jesus. And he said, and then I felt this very bright figure hovering parallel to me, one foot over my body. And I felt like I was being wrapped in an envelope, like in wings, like embraced. And it felt very warm. And suddenly the black figure left. Just suddenly the darkness was gone and that chokehold lifted. After this experience, the man still spent three weeks in the ICU on a ventilator. He hadn't told the story to anyone until sharing it with Julie and her translator. The name of Jesus is above every name, and he screamed out for the one who could make the darkness flee. This man had an experience with Satan, and because he called on Jesus, he survived it. I really believe that by calling out Jesus, the darkness fled, and Jesus provided a miracle. He was sure that it was for real. And I do, I believe it too. I went and got his medical record and sat down with him and we went through line item, what drugs were given to him. And he was not given any medication that was mind altering, hallucinating, uh, could have caused him to be delusional or delirious or, you know, dream this or make this up. And he was so relieved because he thought maybe he was given something. But he asked about this and my interpretation. And I believe fully that he was under a satanic attack and he called out to Jesus and Jesus made the darkness flee. Like with the other patient, this man began to ask Julie all sorts of questions about Jesus. And like the other patient, he eventually received Christ as his Lord and Savior. He quickly improved and eventually went home. And he too wanted to know more about this Jesus that he called on without knowing much about, but we were happy to tell him all about Jesus and the miracle that he was given. And he too went home with a testimony and a Bible. And I urged him to tell everybody this story and to not hold it to himself and that this was a a gift from God. With all the scary headlines about COVID-19 and its effect on the world, Julie was eager to share these two stories, stories of how she personally witnessed God showing his love and his power in Italy. She has since returned to the U.S. from that field hospital, and she gives God the glory for all that she saw and experienced there. The Lord is still on the throne, and He will turn what's meant for evil into something good. And we just need to continue to trust Him. There's no doubt that God is walking among His beloved people in Italy. There was story after story of heartwarming encounters with the Lord. And I am sure that there will be a revival and that people will come to see what the Lord did for them there. His love endures forever. When nobody else can help me, when nobody else can save me, there you were and here you are. And Jesus, I'm so grateful. God is still on the throne, even with all that you've been through the last few months because of COVID-19. And even if you don't experience a miraculous physical healing, like the two patients Julie told us about, you can have the miraculous experience 
of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That heals you from the disease of sin, and that's something that has affected every single one of us. We can tell you more about that at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. In just a minute, Julie's going to talk about the importance of treating sin in the same way we fight germs. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Who is this Jesus? He touched and cleansed the lepers. Billy Graham. Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. How many brokenhearted people there are here tonight? How many brokenhearted people in the hospitals? We're living in a world that hurts. He can touch our hurts. He can bring life back to what you thought was dead inside of you. And when Christ comes into your heart and you're born again, you see the effects. There's a new love and a new joy and a new tenderness in your life that you haven't had before. But He can also take the guilt away. And He can also give you the assurance if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven. You can be in the church and still not certain that you know Christ. You can know Him before you leave here. You can know that your sins are forgiven. You can know that if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven. He was willing to die on the cross and shed His blood so that the world could be saved. You can be saved through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection if you surrender your life to Him. That's what the two men we heard about earlier did, and one of them would even call back to the Samaritan's Purse Field Hospital every day to talk to Julie. He would ask her for new Bible verses to memorize, and he would give her updates on how many people he had told his story to. Dr. McKay's story has been a tremendous encouragement. And before we wrap up, she has another thought she wants to share. It's on the importance of being vigilant, not just about COVID-19, but about sin. We're vigilantly worried about this virus, and we wake up in the night and wonder if we washed our hands enough, and we go back and wash our hands again. And we're vigilant. But are we, are we that vigilant about the one thing that can get a stronghold and a foothold and a chokehold on our lives? Sin. Are we vigilantly watching for that? Are we allowing sin to come into our minds and our mouths and our hearts and our spirits? Are we vigilantly trying to disinfect that from our life and to cleanse it, to bleach it, to eliminate it? I think that was one of the biggest lessons for me in this to be as vigilant about sin in our lives, just as we are vigilant about this microscopic virus. Amen. That is a good reminder there from Dr. Julie McKay. But she says it's not a reminder that she came up with on her own. Rather, she heard it from someone else, and she's been holding on to it in these uncertain times. We want to thank Julie for joining us on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. And we want to thank Samaritan's Purse as well for all the work that they're doing right now to treat COVID-19 patients. You can learn more about that at their website, which is linked in the show notes. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. Thank you for listening to GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news.